you know that this is our 10th episode? That's crazy. I know. Did you also know that like 80 some percent of podcasts <laughs> that try to start don't make it to the 10th episode? Why is that? Uh, because it's a lot of work. Meteorite. Random meteorite. <laughs> Welcome to a new creation podcast. My name is Amy. Single. My name is Amy, and I'm here with my husband, <laughs> your name is. Jason. I'm my not telling you. Jason. Oh, no. I, got a, I got a really good story for you today. Mm. All right, are you ready? <laughs> okay. In 1964, a 21 year old man named Harry was in his final semester of college in Wisconsin. He decided to take an acting class because he was just looking for an easy A, and he thought that it also might help him with his shyness. So during this class, he met his future wife and also discovered that he actually loved acting. So after graduation, he and his girlfriend got married. And so he and his new wife fly out to Hollywood and Harry auditions for Columbia Pictures' new talent program. So Harry was accepted into the program, but it paid nothing. And even after this program shopped him around a lot for parts, um, no one would hire him. He he was given a small, a very small speaking part uh, in a movie where for like 60 seconds, he kind of walked across the frame. He was betraying a bellhop. He kind of walks across the frame and he his only speaking part is he calls out and says somebody's name and that person responds, oh, I'm right here. And he comes and brings them their luggage. But after he finished, one of the producers from the Columbia Talent Program told Harry, you are just not going to make it as an actor. You don't have the it factor. And um, you're just not going to be a movie star. And then shortly after that, they fired Harry from Columbia. So he wasn't ready to give up yet. So Harry went on to sign with another talent program with Universal Studios. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> usually, usually you have so much, you know, dialogue to interject. Are you just enthralled in the story? No, I know where this is going. Wait, gotcha. I am going to get you. You don't know where it's going, but you just know I'm going to get you. <laughs> so still, he couldn't get a part for anything. And people would tell him that his acting was just not for them. And acting was not his forte. But they said he lacked both talent and looks. So he should just give up. Realizing this was no way to support a family, Harry decided to become a carpenter. It's a very noble job. Do you know who was a carpenter? Gee. And? And anybody else you can think of? No. And me. (laughs) So (laughs) Jesus, Bob Vila, and me. So it's a good job. Here's the thing, though. Harry knew nothing about being a carpenter. So he checked out some library books on how to do carpentry. He just thought, that sounds like fun. I think I'll be a carpenter. But he didn't know. Um, However, he did have a lot of contacts in Hollywood. And so he just started like going around asking people if they needed any woodworking or carpentry work. And um, so I imagine he was probably pretty cheap. And so he got hired a lot. Soon he was considered a carpenter to the stars, although he was not very good. And people would often say that they would see him and he'd be holding the how-to books in one hand while working with the other. So in 1976, after a year of carpentry, Harry's friend Fred Roos, a casting director, gave him a call and told him he had a unique acting opportunity. Harry was no longer interested in acting. He had a wife and two sons at this point, and he knew acting just didn't pay. So he told um, Fred, hey, listen, I need to focus on carpentry. However, his friend 
Fred really believed in Harry and thought he could be a star. So Fred told Harry this was a different kind of audition. And he said, he said, listen, there's this really talented director that was looking to cast for a new movie. And this director did not want like individual auditions. Instead, he wanted to do group batches of actors together to see how their chemistry kind of worked. And when Fred Roos got Harry this audition, the director was not at all interested in Harry. Um, he kind of, I think he had heard of him and he's like, this guy's not, a, he's a carpenter, he's not an actor. And, um, and he stressed to Fred that, hey, listen, we'll allow Harry to come, but he's just a filler. Like he's a place filler. He's not going to audition. I'm not going to hire him. He can just fill a place. And so Harry was like, listen, uh, Fred, I don't want to go do this at all, right? I'm not interested. But the thing was, Fred had kind of already committed him and Harry really liked Fred. And so he didn't want to let him down and he didn't want to make Fred look bad in Hollywood. So he agreed to do it. He felt, Harry kind of felt this was a waste of time, but maybe he would get some new woodworking clients out of it and maybe meet some important influential people and get some woodworking jobs. So when Harry arrived, um, he was immediately reminded that he was not auditioning. So he was told, don't even try to act. And just read the lines. Harry said, fine. Well, by this point, he was so incredibly irritated by the whole situation. When he read the lines, he was definitely not acting. In fact, his kind of actual grumpy and sarcastic side of his personality crept in. He was so bitter about being there. And so he continued with this gruff, aloof, and just sarcastic manner. Apparently, this was exactly what the director was looking for in one of his parts he was casting in this movie. He, he wanted some kind of like macho, bravado, sarcastic guy who just didn't seem to care about anything or care about anybody. And Harry was like playing right into that. So Harry continued in this irritated manner, not acting at all. And the director, unbeknownst to Harry, the director was like so excited. So at the end of the day, as Harry was about to leave, he was irritated that they had kept him all day. They let other people go. They kept him all day for almost every group that went through. As he was about to walk out the door, the director, better known as George Lucas, walks up to Harry, better known as Harrison Ford, and tells him, you are perfect for the role of Han Solo, the role that made Harry a star. Had you ever heard that before? Oh. Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Okay. Yeah. Harry. So, Harrison miles. Ford. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of thought that was funny that he like gave up, became a carpenter. And then just went and was himself. So I guess really the moral of that story is is Han Solo is apparently the closest to the actual Harrison Ford uh, that exists. Hmm. I feel like you guys would be friends. (laughs) (laughs) You and Harry would understand each other's humor. All right. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready for my verse? Sure. Okay. So this verse, I'd read this a while ago, long time ago. And it kind of like, I don't know, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a scary verse and it kind of like confused me. And I don't know, I just couldn't figure out what Jesus meant by saying this. And just the other day, it hit me of what he was saying. So the verse is Luke eleven twenty four through 26. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and not finding any. It says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven more spirits, more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last 
state of the man becomes worse than the first. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Isn't it? And I remember reading that thinking like, wait, what, what does this mean? It hit me. This man is cleaning up his act, right? He's, he's like, I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to put things together. I'm not going to do these evil things. Anymore. But when he cleaned out that spirit and when he cleaned out all those bad behaviors and when he cleaned out, he didn't fill it back up with him. So he was left as an empty vessel. An, an unclaimed empty vessel. When that evil spirit came back, he brought seven really nasty friends with him to take that space. And so it hit me of like, okay, we can get our lives in order. We can try to get our lives in order. We can try to clean up our act. We can try to give up our, our hurts, our habits, and our hangups. But if we don't find Christ and allow Christ to inhabit us, we're left as an empty vessel. And that empty vessel just moves through this world looking for something to inhabit it. And I thought it was interesting, too, that these things go through waterless places looking to find rest. And, and it reminded me of like, okay, well, what do we know about water? That Christ says, I'm the living water. We invite Christ to live within us. We invite the spirit of God. Christ is living water. Like they're not, it's not even just that we're not vacant, but it's impossible for them to come and inhabit us when we have Christ living and dwelling within us. Not only stopping our bad habits mm-hmm. but then starting good habits. Mm-hmm. you can't yeah you can just you know, stop your bad habits but where does that get you because right. you're not really you're not moving forward you just stop you're mm-hmm. stagnant yeah i guess you're just you're just moving along i mean god has a plan for you but right. i mean if we just stop and stagnate then we're well, not yeah, getting our, our because think of it like if you, if you if you say let's say alcohol or drugs right so alcohol or drugs that's not the root problem the root problem comes from something that you're medicating, right? You're medicating away some trauma or some hurt that you've had. So this this habit is medicating that. So if you stop the, that, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop using drugs. But yet that pain still exists and you haven't dealt with that. That's that vacancy, right? That, you know, something so much worse can come back. And I know when I stopped drinking, one of the things that I had written to myself in that letter I wrote to myself, one of the things I put on there is that when people relapse when people have found some sobriety but then they start to drink again they are usually they usually end up far worse and in a far deeper pit than when they first decided to, to stop drinking and it reminded me of this of like mm. you you think you hit rock bottom so you stop drinking but but you're not really cleaning things out you're really, you're not bringing Christ in and so then when you pick that back that habit back up it is far more destructive than and, and your rock bottom before wasn't even near your rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. it's a, definitely a cool verse, and it gets you definitely get you thinking. Yeah, well, and it went from being really like something that was really scary to being something that was a promise when he tells us that it's impossible for anything else. So they may show back up. No vacancy signs. Right. I don't know if my interpretation of this is correct, but no. that's it's it feels correct to me. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we had a uh, group Friday, mm-hmm. and I got to speak. That was pretty cool. <laughs> you got to teach. You didn't speak. You taught. That was very good. Thank you. I love all that kind of like nerdy, geeky information, but what I really love is when faith and science come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, I guess, what was a takeaway for you from it? Um, I don't know. I like the tools at the end of it. Yeah, some of the positional awareness and mm-hmm. reminding ourselves and helping me out. So what we're going to do with that 
with that talk and with some of our special edition things is we're going to add them as a special midweek podcast. So those who weren't able to attend can actually still listen to it and kind of get an idea of what we're talking about with some of these Celebrate Recovery presents. So we'll have that coming up later this week. Uh, And this week coming up, tell us what you're teaching this Friday. Uh, We are still, we're through all the actual lessons on inventory, but now we are going to talk about confess, which is the next step in it. So it'll be good. It allows you just to get stuff Mm -hmm. out there. And and that, that, that saying of you're a, you're a slave to your secrets and then those, those stop having power over you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It goes right in line with our verse. It mm-hmm. allows people to start cleaning up, getting their stuff in order and making more room for God. All right. Well, if you want more of us, you can check us out on Facebook at Celebrate Recovery at Emmaus Road. You can visit us every Friday at Emmaus Road Community Church at 6 p.m. for our Celebrate Recovery meetings. Uh, You can also come back here every Tuesday morning for our new creation podcast. And we thank you guys for joining us. And yeah, we love you guys. Good night. Good night.